0: Today we begin a new five-week sermon series that will lead us into Lent entitled God's Promises, in which we will explore the good news that God promises to those who trust and believe in Him. And There's no doubt that all of us are in desperate need for good news these days as we continue to live into the realities of the coronavirus pandemic, and also as we've witnessed and seen the darkness of political insurrection take place at our nation's capital. So today we lift our eyes to God's promise of forgiveness that is found in the epistle of 1 John. John tells us this, This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. You see, all throughout Scripture we find that darkness and light are often in opposition to one another. The Gospel of John speaks of Jesus entering into the world as the light and life, and he tells us the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, contemporary culture uses the same imagery of light and darkness to show the opposition of good and evil in both books and movies and in television shows. And so John reminds us that God is light and that in him there is no darkness at all. Now this is centered on Jesus Christ, whom the disciples have seen and heard firsthand. They testify that Jesus is the only Son of God but that he is also God in the flesh, the light of the world that drives the darkness away. And we know that it was the evil of darkness that unfairly condemned and crucified him, yet the darkness could not overcome his glorious resurrection from the grave. This is the Jesus that John bears witness to, the light of the world who stands in opposition to the darkness that the world so often remains in. And John's message is to the church, to those who profess to follow Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, everyone he's addressing sees Jesus as the light shining in the darkness, but some of these followers are choosing to live in the shadows of darkness rather than following in the light of Christ. John is addressing what faithfulness of following Jesus really is and is not. And essentially he is saying that following Jesus is walking the talk. It's living in the light and not just claiming to be doing so. But I always find that it's helpful to know exactly what's going on contextually when we read scriptures like these. It often helps us to understand the real issues in their day, even as we try to understand what the real issues are in our own. Now, there are many in the church during that time that adopted a new theology and a new morality. They moved away from the teachings of the apostles. They believed that Jesus was real, but they didn't believe that Jesus was truly a human being. They understood Jesus to be divine, to be spirit and supernatural. To them, Jesus only seemed to be human. We call them docetists, to seem. How could a miracle worker, in their eyes, be human? Now, this teaching created a division within the church. And in addition, those who broke away didn't believe that they were sinners in need of forgiveness. They claimed to love God having a mystical access to Jesus, but since Jesus wasn't really human, there were no real consequences in the earthly life. In their eyes, Jesus' earthly teachings didn't amount to a whole lot since they denied his incarnation, nor did they need forgiveness through his death on the cross. Apparently, they even tried to convince and lead others in the church astray. So John speaks out against them, calling them liars and even antichrists. And he calls them out for loving God, but not loving their brothers and sisters. For John sees a disconnect from their understanding of Jesus and their ethical behavior. You see, a wrong Christology can lead you right down the wrong road. And so John speaks the truth of Jesus Christ, the light in whom there is no darkness at all. He says that it's not okay for us to claim to have fellowship with Jesus and then walk around in the darkness. If so, we are lying to ourselves and to others and we're not living out the truth. He says that we can't claim to be without sin, and if we do, that we're deceiving ourselves and that the truth is really not in us. Furthermore, he goes on to say that if we claim to be sinless, that we make Jesus out to be a liar and that his word isn't in us. As you can imagine, there had to be some anger, some harsh words shared, a spirit of bitterness that existed between these two factions of the church. Now, it would be easy for those who were considered to be on the right side of orthodoxy to act in ways that still deny the teachings of Christ, reducing their effectiveness of the light to the shadows of darkness, too. Unfortunately, these types of divisions are still present in the church and in our world today. There are many Christians who boast that Jesus is the light, and they claim to be followers of him. Yet for some reason, there continues to be divisions and factions who argue that their way is the right way and that others are completely wrong. We look at the Gospels themselves and we find the Pharisees who claim to love God, but their self-righteousness tended to get in the way of understanding Jesus' radical teaching of God's grace and forgiveness for everyone. And while we often think of the early church as being the perfect example of Christian discipleship, we discover in the writings of the epistles that they were far from that. Time after time, the writers of the epistles urge the church to return to the center, to Jesus Christ. The problem is that so often people conform Jesus to their own image rather than being molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. And the argument that John dealt with was about theology and practice, and that really hasn't changed at all today. Now, truthfully, it's not the same argument. I haven't met anyone in the church who argues the truth that they're not a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. Most of us recognize that we have sinned against God and that we need God's forgiveness. And no, the issues today are rarely about the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. Most people accept the fact that Jesus is both human and divine. I find that what happens today is much like what our ex-president, Thomas Jefferson, once did. So often we hold up our founding fathers as par excellence for establishing our democracy and for creating a government founded upon Judeo-Christian principles and ideals. Now, I'm not arguing that they didn't do this, but what many people don't realize is that Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He believed in the God who created all things, but he didn't believe in the actual divinity of Jesus. Jefferson read the Bible, and he did something that would make any Bible-believing Christian rage. He took a razor, a pair of scissors, and he decided to cut out passages of Scripture and to rearrange them, particularly the passages of the four Gospels, And he cut out those things that he liked and he put them together and he cut out those things that he didn't like and he left them out. Now, being a man of deep reason and of the Enlightenment period, he took out all of the miracles of Jesus and even the resurrection accounts. Now, unlike the separatists in the church that John addresses, Jefferson believed in the humanity of Jesus, just not his divinity what he did was something really that was to be kept to himself, and he entitled it, The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Now this happened 200 years ago, and later his great-granddaughter sold this to the Smithsonian Institute. It has now become what we know as the Jefferson Bible. Jefferson got rid of all the miracles of Jesus and of the miracle of his resurrection His Jesus was so human that he died and was no more. To him, Jesus was just a great moral teacher. And truth be told, many people still believe that today, even if they don't affirm him as the Son of God or the Savior of sinners and the real incarnation of God in the flesh. Now, Christians today don't typically get out scissors and cut up their Bibles and create a new Bible from it. Most folks certainly don't deny the miracles of Jesus, or even the miracle of his resurrection. In fact, more people come to church at Easter than any other time of the year. Instead, we tend to be spoon-fed by others who teach us about Jesus, whether it's a pastor or a friend or someone that we see on TV or we know We accept sound bites on television. We we look at memes on social media. Or we look to people who are considered to be American, strong Christians to teach us the ways of Christ. The truth is, is why the Bible is the most selling book every year in the world. Most people don't even pick the Bible up and read the Gospels themselves. Or when they do... They choose the way of Thomas Jefferson, and they omit the teachings of Jesus that they don't like. For instance, did Jesus really ask us to resist an evil person? Did he really teach us that we are blessed when we are persecuted and insulted because of him? And did he really command us to love our enemies? Did he really teach us to deny ourselves and to carry a cross? Did he ask us to sell all of our possessions and give it to the poor and then come follow him? And did he ask us to love one another as he loves us? You see, it's much easier for us to ignore the hard sayings of Jesus or to suggest that what we read isn't really what Jesus meant. But John John suggests otherwise. He tells us, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen and heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. John speaks the truth of Jesus, that he is light and not darkness. He says that we can't hijack Jesus for ourselves and for our own agendas. Jesus commands us to follow his And Jesus truly isn't a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not an independent or even a libertarian. Jesus is not an insurrectionist, even though he was arrested and crucified for such crimes by Rome. No. Jesus proclaimed to be the way and the truth and the life. And he showed us what the way and the truth and the life looks like. He taught us a more excellent way, according to Paul, of love. He taught us the forgiveness of God and modeled it to the fullest extent, even to his death on a cross. And it's from this very cross that Jesus cries out in Luke's gospel saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That prayer of forgiveness was not just for his disciples who loved him, that prayer extended beyond the bounds of the unthinkable horror of the very ones who mocked him, who beat him, and who took pleasure in his death. You see, the light shined even on the cross as the darkness closed in on him. And he did what none of us could ever do, sincerely pray for forgiveness for those who welcomed the darkness disguised as light. You see, the way of Jesus is very different from the way of the world. Following Jesus is more than wearing a necklace with his name on it, or putting a church sticker on the backs of our car uh, windows, or even uploading a scripture verse to our social media, or even waving a flag with Jesus' name on it as protesters turn into domestic terrorists with the intent to harm to get their own way. No. The way of Jesus is radically different. It's a life of humility, a recognition that we are lost sinners in lieu of the one who begs for forgiveness as he hangs on a cross. It's a life that clings to Jesus, knowing that without him, we can't faithfully live in obedience to his way. So we must be very careful not to make Jesus into who we want him to be, we must let Jesus be who he is and we must submit to his teachings and to his ways and to his life of sacrifice and of love. Otherwise, we become those who think we don't need to be forgiven. We become self-righteous, choosing what we like about God and God's word and discarding what we don't. You see, that's dangerous territory. Because we fall victim to the devil's schemes to lead us into the darkness and not into God's light. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks against those who would preach a different Jesus other than the ones that the apostles have preached in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 13 and 14. And he says, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The danger, according to John, is that we deceive ourselves and that the truth is not in us. And yet today we acknowledge that we find ourselves in a very challenging time. Division and discord lurk everywhere. Self righteousness is still very present among us, and a refusal to acknowledge any sin is also very present. And so people use passive tools like social media to argue and to attack one another. Christians argue with one another over who is right and who is wrong. And yet Jesus reminds us that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so today, we need to once again hear the good news of God's promise to us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness.